Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Paul said, look, for me to live is Christ and to die is. So if you kill me, it's a benefit. I go to heaven. Woo woo. <laughs> you know, if I live, I'm going to live for the Lord. Like how you stop somebody that has that kind of purpose on their life. I got purpose on my life and there's nothing you can say to stop me. If you persecute me, I get reward. If, if you kill me, I go to heaven. So I'm going to just keep doing what I do and let it let the Lord work it out where, where however he does. That's so liberating. So now I only, that means I only have to care about what one person thinks and that's the Lord. Amen. I believe that that's how the Lord wants us to operate and function. Chances are you're quite familiar with the Apostle Paul's words, to live is Christ, to die is gain. But would you say that you actually live these words out on a day-by-day basis? Or do you often let the fear of rejection hinder your life, hinder your passion or zeal for God? In today's message, Pastor Bill reflects on the importance of living out your life as a believer with fervor and boldness. In his study, you'll be reminded that you no longer have a reason to fear death because as a believer, you have eternal life in Christ. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Revelation, chapter 1, as he continues his message, Intro to Revelation. Now come back to chapter 1, verse 4 with me. It says, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, uh, this is modern day Turkey, and now he gives his greeting, grace to you and peace. Uh, These are common greetings. You see it throughout the New Testament with Paul, even James, different ones. Grace is God's unmerited, undeserved favor. So he's, he's opening up with this greeting, grace to you and peace from him. And so and I believe they go hand in hand. As I understand the grace of God, I have peace, right? Anybody here that, that understands that God loves you even when you were unlovely, that God's been good to you even though you don't deserve it, the, the grace of God is undeserved, unmerited favor, um, we can kind of be at peace. If I got to earn God's faithfulness, if I got to earn God's love for me, I won't be at peace because I'm not, I'm not good all the time. Amen. Some of y'all can say it louder than that. Some of y'all know y'all not good all the time. So if it was based on how good we were all the time, um, my walk with the Lord would be like a waves. It'd just be up and down if it was dependent upon me. But if it's dependent upon his grace, that's solid. I never did deserve it. I never was worthy of it. Uh, So grace is a beautiful thing. It's it's, it's It's a very important doctrine that Christians understand that we're all saved by grace. Amen. Nobody deserves what we got. We've been blessed. God has given all of us what we don't deserve. So grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. Now I'm going to show you in verse four, we're going to see all three members, all three persons of the Trinity. Uh, first, it says grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. That's the father. Um, these are things that can only be said about God, right? Him who is and was and is to come. Um, it's speaking of God's eternal nature. Has God ever not existed? Was, no, he's always existed. He was, he is, and he is to come. Um, and so he's, he's eternally existing. He's letting us know that right here. So grace to you and peace from him, the one who was, the one who is, the one who is to come. And then it says, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne. Don't let this confuse you. What are the seven spirits? What is that? Seven in the Bible is a number of what? Completion. If you're a note taker, I told you guys before, when we see something in Revelation, it's like, what is that? Many times you can look earlier in Scripture and get insight into what it is. So write down Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1 and 2. 
Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1 and 2. And then I want to read it. You can turn to it if you can get there quick. You know, your books of the Bible. If not, then just listen up. We're going to read it real quick. Isaiah 11, 1 and 2. It says, there shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. In this verse, it's going to say the spirit of the Lord. We're going to get seven characteristics of God's spirit. The spirit of the Lord, Lord is one of the characteristics. He's, he's Lord, he's master, shall rest upon him the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. These seven aspects are characteristics. When we look at, when it says the seven spirits of God, speaking of the full working of the Holy Spirit. So there's one Holy Spirit, you know, the Holy Spirit is God, but these are the, these are seven characteristics, seven aspects of who he is, that he is Lord. Uh, wisdom, he has a spirit of wisdom, of understanding, of counsel, of might, of knowledge, and of the fear of the Lord. And so, uh, so we, this, the grace to you and peace is coming from God the Father, is coming from the Holy Spirit. And then lastly, in verse five, it says, and from, from Jesus Christ, so we know that's the Son, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth. And so again, listen to this description of the son, that he's the firstborn from the dead. Um, some people stumble over that, and I want to explain that. Your Jehovah's Witness will say, look, look, how could he be God? He was born. He was just, he was the firstborn. So there's many. So if I could explain firstborn for us, it means much more than that Jesus was the first one uh, resurrected. Um, it, it also speaks of his preeminence among all those. He's the first one to be resurrected among many that will be resurrected. So one of the reasons that we know we have hope of resurrection is because Jesus rose. Amen. That's how come we don't have to fear death when the Bible says that he took the sting of death away. It's because as I watch him defeat death, get back up from the grave. Then he says, now all those who believe in me are going to do the same thing. Firstborn among the dead. I'm preeminent. Among, I'm, I was the first one. I was the one to show you what it'll be like for you at that point in time. If you're writing notes, write down Romans chapter 8, verse 29. It says there, speaking of, uh, it says, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And so, Jesus is our example in that regard. He's the firstborn from the dead. Then it says, and he's the ruler over the kings of the earth. Is there anybody greater than him on the earth? We say he's the king of kings and what? The Lord of lords. And we're just reminded, we're just getting, we're just getting started, but we're getting a lot about who he is. He's the firstborn from the dead. He conquered grave before anybody else and is a demonstration to you and me that death is not to be feared for the man or the woman of God. And so it was important for believers at this time that were under that kind of persecution to know, don't fear death. I want to encourage you guys. There's a book called Fox's Book of Martyrs. And if you want to look at early church history, those that were, even those that were disciples shortly after the Apostle John's death and those that came shortly after him, um, Polycarp and some of these guys, I want you to go look at the testimonies of these guys, what they were willing to endure for the name of Christ. I mean, these men are looking death in the faith and they're not shuddering, singing worship songs as they burn at the stake. I mean, they, there were torturous things being done to believers and you have believers that had a, they had a different kind of boldness, a different kind of courage. They just, they, we, we don't fear death. 
Because God said, look, I, I'm believing that I'm going to be, I'm going to do what Jesus did. The death is my entry point into the next realm. And so I want you to know what a liberating thing it is for the believer to say, I don't fear death. So if someone's threatening me with death or don't preach, and I'm like, but I don't fear death. What, what can you do? You, how do you stop me then? Paul had that kind of thing. Paul said, look, for me to live is Christ and to die is so if you kill me, it's a benefit. I go to heaven. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> you know, if I live, I'm going to live for the Lord. Like, how you stop somebody that has that kind of purpose on their life? I got purpose on my life, and there's nothing you can say to stop me. If you persecute me, I get rewarded. If, if you kill me, I go to heaven. So I'm going to just keep doing what I do and let, it, let the Lord work it out where, where, however he does. That's so liberating. Now, I only, that means I only have to care about what one person thinks, and that's the Lord. Amen? I believe that that's how the Lord wants us to operate and function. So... This greeting of grace and peace we get from all three persons of the Trinity. God the Father, the one who is and who was and who is to come. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the seven spirits are, who are before his throne. And from the Son, Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth. We are in relationship. Our Savior is the ruler of all the authorities in the earth. So remember that when you're dealing with spiritual warfare. Jesus is the ruler of them that you're dealing with. If you're having spiritual war, he's the ruler of the kings of the earth. If you're having issues on your job with your boss, he's the ruler of everything. Not, everybody is, sub, is subject to him. So be careful about looking at people as though they're the authority. I honor people. I respect people because I'm a believer. But I always look right above their head to the Lord, right? I don't believe as a Christian that a person can keep something from me that God wants to give me. Because I'm, I'm under him. He's the ruler of all authority. So I'm never going to be the guy that goes to a job interview, get told no and say, oh, they didn't take me because no, no, God didn't give it to me. Because can't nobody keep from me what God is going to give me. That, 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 that'll solve a lot of issues that people have when you, get, you put, give, give man a little too much credit. He's the ruler of everything. Receive it all from him. Lord, you allowed that. You could have prevented it. You allowed it. Teach me what, what I'm supposed to get from this. Let me grow from it. Make me more like you through it. But God, you're over everything, and everything has to pass by you. I am your child. I don't have to be down here arguing with folks. I go home and get on my face before my dad. Amen? Uh, it'll keep, that's keeping me out of trouble, too. So, you know, because if, if you was keeping it from me, we, we can see about that then, you know? So moving on now. So it says now, it says, to him, again, this is speaking of Jesus, and it's more, more about him. It says, to him who loved us. Uh, some of the other translations, I believe the NIV, NASB says loves us presently. And I, they're both right, right? So some translations say to he who loves us, L-O-V-E-S. New King James, King James says to him who loved us. I believe that one is pointing back to what he did, the cross. He loved us. Because God, God's demonstration of love was what? The cross. Romans 5a, God demonstrated his love towards you and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But we know he still loves us too. Amen. So I think they both got it right. Uh, they just, you know, I guess you couldn't put both down. He loved us and he loves us. It says to him who loved us and what did he do for us? And washed us from our sins in his own blood. I don't want to read that too fast. God says that him who loves you and washed you from your sins in his blood. Here's the awesome thing about being washed. Anybody here that's responsible for the dishes at home? You know, if you do it right, when you wash the dishes, all the dirt is gone. Amen? If you, do, if you wash them and there's still some dirt, you need a beating. You know? So if you wash them right, when you get done washing them, all the dirt, all the grime is gone. They're washed. God is saying, look, to him who loved you and 
His demonstration of love for you is that he washed away something, something far worse than dirty dishes. He washed away your sins, my sins. We have sins. We blow it. We fall short of the glory of God. We break commandments and break his rules and his laws. And God says, look, he loved you so much. He washed that away in his own blood for you. Took it away. So whatever you are, whatever you were, whatever you are, whatever you were, it's washed. So one day when we stand before God, I know what I was. I know what I still am. So the idea that one day I'm going to stand before God Almighty and I'm perfect. I'm not perfect right now. But when I stand before him, I'll be perfect. Because I'm washed. There's no, he won't see any of my junk. None of my sin. It, there won't be anything in between me and him because I've been washed. That's an incredible thing. And again, I don't want to just blaze over that real quick. It's Every believer should be so thankful that God did that for you because we could not wash ourselves. Amen? Amen? To him who loves us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, verse 6, and made us, so not that after he washed us, he said, nah, I'm still going, I'm going to use you. He made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. What does it mean that he made us kings and priests? First, I should note that in the Old Testament, you couldn't be a king and a priest. Uh, there was Uzziah who tried to do both. Um, you were either a king or a priest, different folk, different roles. Uh, the kings had a job. They oversaw, they led, they directed. The priests had a job. They went before God on behalf of the people and went before the people on behalf of God. The priest was kind of that go-between person for the people. You couldn't do both. Saul, you know, tried to do that, you know, waiting on the priest. The priest took too long. He went and tried to offer, got himself in trouble. Um, and so, but Jesus came and he's both king and priest. And he says, now I've made you, I've washed you and I've made you kings and priests. I've made you that. And so I, I believe king speaks of God's royalty upon us. We are his kids. We are, we are his family. Uh, if I'm a king and I have a son or a daughter, they're in the royal family. Amen. Uh, now, we don't have that out here, but back in, you know, you read through the Old Testament, if you were a king, you, you couldn't just be a king. You had to be born into the family to be the next king. It was the heir to the throne. It was something that was handed down through family. God said, look, I've, I've handed something down to you guys that you couldn't get any other way. We've been adopted into the royal family. He's made us kings and priests. So kings, we're, we're adopted in. We're part of the royal family. We're under his covering. He is king. We were, whatever we were, we've been, we've been adopted into his family in that regard. And then priests, um, we're now God's special servants. We represent God to man. And we go before man. We go, we go before the Lord on man's behalf. We intercede. And we go before people on God's behalf. We're, 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 we're out there witnessing and sharing and explaining and talking to people about the Lord. God said, I've, I've made you that. I have now washed you and I've brought you in a relationship, but I've also made you priest. I've given you a place of service and of ministry. And so I think it's important because the way he speaks of it here, he says, um, and made us kings and priests to his God and father. It should be something that we were proud to be. Amen. We shouldn't be ashamed or bashful about getting to be his representation out here. God's look, I did this for you. I've allowed you to be in this place where you get to be that. For me, kings and priests, uh, to his God and Father. And then it says, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. 
And so to God be dominion, to him be power, uh, to him be glory, uh, all these things. And, and again, I, I hear just the, the right, just over, it's the overflowing of, of just worship as we look at all the things that God has done for us. Verse 7 now, it says, Behold, he is coming with the clouds. And this is speaking prophetically. This is what we're looking forward to. The Lord is coming back. Now, it says he's coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him, even so. Amen. So something we know about the coming of Christ. Now, there's been, you know, there's the two comings. He came the first time, uh, and his second coming will be different than his first coming. In Christ's first coming, the mission was different. The first coming, the mission was a salvific. He was coming to save. Uh, he was coming as a sacrificial lamb. He was coming to die. When, they, when he was born, they wrapped him in swaddling cloths. Those are, those are mummification cloths. The same thing you wrap a dead body in. And, and many would look at that and say, because he was born to die. That's what he came to do when he first came. And so as you look at Jesus in the Gospels, uh, there's meekness and humility, and there's a and 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 there's just a kind of a gentleness to him, and he endured foolery with people, and he bared with people. He came to die. When he comes back, it's going to be different. Amen. We'll learn about that as we go through this book. You know, we got to know that it's it's, it's not going to be the same. When he comes back, he's coming the same God, same guy, but he's coming back. The mission is different, and I I, I would explain it like this. You know, if I were a I were a police officer, right? And let's say I'm, I'm on break at lunchtime and I'm going home to see my kids. I'm a police officer. I'm going home to see my kids. I'm going to go home and I may have a gun and a badge and authority and power, but I'm on a mission right now. I'm going to go see the kids. I'm giving hugs and kisses and lunch and backpacks and everything else. Now, if I'm a police officer, my wife calls and says, there's some noise in the backyard. I'm coming home. Same guy, but it's a different mission. Amen. I'm coming, I'm, I'm clocked and loaded, and, uh, and, and if you ain't one of mine, you're going to get it, you know. When he comes back, that's how it's going to be. He's coming back to judge. He's coming back to, to bring, there's going to be an aspect of judgment that, that we see as he comes back. But he says when he does come, the second coming, uh, he's going to come with the clouds and every eye is going to see him. So, this would eliminate, for you guys that maybe deal with Jehovah's Witnesses, they actually said the Lord came back. It was secret. It was covert. Only those that were really spiritual saw it. Uh, they, you go back and read their publications. They got a date on it and everything else. Um, they had a previous date where they said he was coming back and he didn't come back. And, they, and then they finally said, oh, no, he came. Yeah, you didn't see it? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, so yeah. bogus, right? I'm reading this. It says every eye. Every eye. Everybody's going to see it. It's not going to be a secret. You won't miss it. Everybody's going to see it, even they who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. Now, I believe this was even prophesied about in the book of Zechariah. Um, one of the things we're going to learn as we go through the book of Revelation, as we look at, especially the latter part during the tribulation is, you know, God has always had a special relationship with Israel, with the Jewish people, though at large they have rejected him as Messiah. Uh, we'll see that in his end times plans and scheme of events, there's still hope for them, um, that many of them are going to get saved later. Many of them are going to get saved during even the tribulation period. So in uh, Zechariah, the book we're going through on Wednesday nights, for you guys that are here, we, we just covered chapter 10. And in chapter 12, 
there is a prophecy here. I'm going to read it to us in Zechariah uh, chapter 12, verse 10. And it says this, um, speaking of this time, it says, God says, and I will pour out on the house of David on, and on all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and supplication. Then they will look on me whom they pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. I was reading somebody on this and they said that someone was witnessing to a Jew and, you know, they don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah, but they, they were believing that the verses in Zechariah were speaking of, you know, the Messiah coming back. And so they said, well, well, who did he pierce then? Who was the one that was pierced? And, and, it, and it has to point to Jesus was the only one that they pierced. That's it. And so, the, I mean, the Bible, you go back and forth, it's full of, you know, things that would just point us to uh, the work of Christ, who he is and what he's done. And so, again, back here, it says all the tribes of the earth are going to see him. They're going to mourn because of him. Even so. Amen. And so we're going to see people throughout the, the as we continue through the book, people that have rejected that get saved. Uh, we're going to see many people suffer many things as we go through the book of Revelation. We're going to see as believers where we end up at, um, that we're, we're not set aside for judgment. So y'all can praise God early for that. Your judgment as believers, our judgment, it all went on the cross. Amen. And I think we'll be more and more thankful for that as we continue through this book. Look at verse eight now, a strong declarative statement from Jesus. He says, I am the alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. And let me break each of these down. When he says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, it's a, it's using the Greek alphabet to say, I'm the beginning, I'm the A and the Z, right? I'm the beginning and the end. I started it, I'm going to end it. That's essentially what he's saying. That's what Alpha and Omega, then he follows it up with, I'm the beginning and the end, if you missed that. What does that mean for you and me? He's the beginning and the end. That means he's everything. Right. I'm the, I'm, everything began with me. Everything ends with me. And so this is why it becomes so important. This isn't true about anybody else. This isn't true about any other religion. This isn't true about any other religious leader. This is true about no one else except Jesus Christ. Buddha is not the beginning and the end. Muhammad is not the beginning and the end. They all had a beginning and an end. He is the beginning and the end. You can't source out a beginning point. He always has been. He still is right now, and he's saying, and I'm always going to be. There's never going to come an end. When we look at the kingdom of God, one of the compelling things about being a Christian and coming under the lordship of Jesus or the kingship of Christ is that his kingdom is the only kingdom of which there's never going to be an end. Every other king, the kingdom ends, his kingdom ends when he dies, amen? But he's never going to die. So he's the king of a kingdom to which there's never going to be an end. And so... We're securely, if we're believers, we're securely placed in that kingdom. I'm in relationship to the one that's never going to not be king. He's never going to not be the Lord. He's never going to get knocked off his throne. He's never going to be defeated in battle. Um, and, you know, we're studying for you guys that were, you know, in school. Some of y'all was cheaters and y'all should go to the back of the book, find out all the answers. You know, we're in the back of the book now and we, we're getting all the answers here, you know, at the end of the book. So we'll know, we know how the thing ends. So... So you can go ahead and make the right decision now uh, because we know how the thing ends. It, it, you, you win if you're with him and you lose horrifically if you are not in him, if you are not securely in him. And so 
He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end, says the Lord. And he says this again, who was and who is and who is to come. That's all we have time for today on A Transforming Word. Pastor Bill has been teaching through the book of Revelation. This book touches on the people and the world being judged during the tribulation. Some may feel that with all that's happening in the world right now, that we're already there. However, there's more to come, and that's why it's so important to know where you stand with God now. Don't delay a decision that you think you can put off because you have lots of time. The time is now. If you're not sure where to go or what to do and the things you're hearing from Revelation are causing you to be fearful, please let us know by giving us a call. We're here to give a listening ear and to answer any questions you might have about this teaching or about salvation. Call or send a text to 310-245-4811. That's 310-245-4811. If you prefer reaching us online, you can fill out the contact form on our website at Cal calvaryinglewood.org. If you're not already connected with a local church family, we'd like to invite you to join us this weekend at Calvary Chapel Inglewood. You can find all the information you need at our website, including service times, directions, and information about the church. You can even find links to stream our services or watch previous messages online. That website again is calvaryinglewood.org. Thanks for spending time with us today in the Word. Pastor Bill will share more about what God revealed to John in the book of Revelation next time on A Transforming Word.